This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back at you Friday afternoon, a great day for talk radio. Conrad Black joins us at this time most Friday afternoons, noted author, commentator, and historian. Good afternoon, Conrad. Hey, good afternoon to you, John. You know, we were just uh, talking about the situation out of Kingston, where uh, it seems the RCMP, CSIS, even the FBI were involved in uh, what looked to be some terror-related activity for which two individuals have been arrested. Uh, flying around in, in a mystery plane every night. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that is tied into uh, the story as well, although we don't have all the details. But really what I've, I've extrapolated from this is uh, that some people have concerns, and I think they're legitimate, about uh, these individuals if they arrived fairly recently to the country from Syria. Uh, you know, there have been uh, a significant number, about 40,000, that were invited into the country by Justin Trudeau. And just yesterday in New Brunswick, Trudeau was uh, standing on this, uh, you know, uh, principle that, you know, we're a compassionate country and anybody who thinks, you know, well, we ought to be, uh, or even expresses concerns about our migrant policy is fear-mongering and un-Canadian. How do you see it? Uh, I have to say that I I was proud of Justin's policy at the outset, just the idea of it. I thought it was the generous, decent thing to do and quite in keeping with Canadian tradition to uh, in that horrible humanitarian disaster in the Middle East and parts of uh, Northeast Africa, uh, to, to, to admit 40,000 people. I think we had a much better record in this, for example, than the United States did. And it was United States military action that in large measure created the human, humanitarian disaster in the first place. Uh, and and I, uh, so I, I was, uh, I, you know, I, I thought we were right not to go to um, imprudent extremes like Germany did, admitting a million of these people. Uh, but I thought we were right to be more generous than the Americans were in this case. But, uh, but I assumed at all times, and we were certainly given to understand by uh, the prime minister and other spokesmen for the government, that uh, that there would be reasonable screening procedures so we would all have a comfort level that we were letting in legitimate fugitives from, from tragedy uh, who, who were positively motivated. Now, I accept it's not an easy thing to screen people like that, but but we we certainly owe it to ourselves to do as thorough a job as we can. I, I, I have to say, I don't I don't know enough about what procedures were in place to make sure we weren't letting terrorists in. But we, we if 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 in fact these people in Kingston are proved to be guilty of very seriously criminal intentions and did come in under that program, and obviously there are problems with that program. Well, according to an audit in 2017, the Canada Border Services Agency reported 39 cases that didn't receive the necessary security screening and therefore presented potentially a security threat. Uh, 39 people were were all that were involved in 9-11. I mean, approximately all. I mean, 39 people can do a terrible amount of damage as terrorists. Well, and this is the point that's being brought to the fore by the Conservatives. And, uh, you know, when Justin says, well, anybody who thinks that way or expresses concerns is fear-mongering and un-Canadian. No, well, he has no business saying that. He, he, de- he deserves credit for a generous attitude, but, uh, but he deserves discredit if his government has handled the whole issue sloppily and we're letting tourists in here. I mean, terrorists.
again, <laughs> again with Conrad Black, uh, although they've been treated in uh, one and the same fashion, it seems, at the southwestern border of Quebec, which, by the way, is another question. You know, when we uh, talk about this issue uh, of migrants, uh, Quebec is going to be a battleground in the upcoming election. Uh, a lot of people there are dismayed with the treatment of uh, open borders as well, are they not? Yes, and, and it is, in fact, a, a, a field of concurrent jurisdiction between the federal and, in the case of Quebec, the provincial governments. And Quebec does have some jurisdiction that's been conceded to it over the years uh, you know, because of their sensitivity about encouraging French-speaking immigration into, I mean, the immigration of French-speaking people into Quebec. And, um, and so they, they not only are expressing concern as Canadian citizens, they're expressing concerns as citizens of a province that has some absolutely clear legal authority in the matter. You know, by, by the way, that exempts them to some degree from blaming it all on Ottawa. It may be that those responsible for screening in Quebec haven't done too brilliant a job, but I, that's complete speculation. I, I, I don't want to imply I'm accusing anybody of anything. All right. I was just wondering how it might impact the upcoming election, which is still a ways away well, next to... Quebec up- historically has, has been, for obvious reasons, because there is the sensitivity of its being you know, six or seven million French-speaking people in a continent which north of the River Grande is, what, 350 million English-speaking people or something like that. Um, you know, they're concerned about demographic balances. So, uh, in fairness, I don't think Quebecers have any objection to foreigners. They meet a foreigner who happens to be visiting in Montreal. They'll be perfectly polite to him. But, but they have some concerns about people pouring into Quebec who don't speak French and have no desire to learn French. And and so, uh, it is all that it is always potentially an issue in that problem. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see again how the Liberals handle this because they think that immigration is going to be one of the hot button issues, as Justin said yesterday. But the other issue, I mean, there are several that have sort of arisen lately, and uh, the story of John McCallum. Canada's ambassador to China, misspeaking. Uh, <laughs> that was an astonishing performance. Well, should he be fired? Uh, look, I, I, I have a, a suspicion that he was sending a message on behalf of the government uh, to, to, to try and de-escalate things by appearing to to say that the Chinese have legitimate ways operating through the avenues that are available to them to reduce the likelihood of this lady being extradited to the United States. I cannot believe that a Canadian ambassador would stand up there cold turkey and say that without some kind of authority from somebody. And and uh, that he gave them plausible deniability, that's all part of the piece. I mean, the Christia Freeland and Justin Trudeau uh, want to want to say, no, no, absolutely, this is a straight question of putting it through the courts and in, in the in the cool objectivity of the Canadian legal process, as they would represent it to be. Uh, but if the ambassador actually just launched that sally on his own without a word of authority from higher ups, then I, I think it's time for him to spend more time with his family and not in China. <laughs> All right. And so uh, running interference potentially for what the government really thinks or wants to position itself uh, to ameliorate things with China. And well, yeah, you see, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to be unkind here, but I would not put it past this government to take a strong line directly and and officially while sending a message they they were they didn't want any part of an argument with the chinese and uh but i don't think i don't think getting the ambassador to 
you go out there into no man's land, guns blazing uh, is the way to do it. And I don't approve of the policy anyway. We can't. We 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 we've got to play it right down the middle here. And if they start executing our citizens, I think we would get very widespread support from the international community to take countermeasures against China. Not an eye for an eye. We're not going to start killing innocent Chinese. And but but no. But this looked like taking sides. That we'd rather cast our lot in favor of the Chinese than the U.S. We, with the we can't get into that. We we have to, we have to enforce our laws as they are. Or no one, starting with the two most powerful countries in the world, will have any respect for us. Right. Uh, no, I mean, I thought they were on the right course. I thought the government had played it well up until McCallum's outburst. And I have no grievance against McCallum. I, I, I'd rather respect him. But I thought, I thought this performance was just either completely insane or, or a, a sudden collapse of nerve a double collapse of nerve by the foreign ministry and the prime minister's office, that they had lost their nerve opposite China, and they didn't summon the nerve to to say overtly that they were taking a change of course, so they pushed this poor guy out to do it for them. Now, I may be wrong. If McCallum did that spontaneously with no authority, it really wouldn't be appropriate for him to continue in that job. By the way, uh, we appreciate your joining us this Friday afternoon. I would have thought you'd be at Davos right now with that World Economic Forum, Conrad. I, I gave up on that years ago. That place <laughs> is a farce. The hotels are impossible. The Swiss, I, I, I remember once going with uh, uh, a lady friend of mine and saying, if you can find one Swiss who smiles once while we're here, uh, you know, I'll, get, I'll give you a handsome reward. It never happens. You know, the weather is awful. The hotels are awful. The hosts are unconvivial. The food is inedible. And there are some important people there, but there are thousands of tourists. And the whole thing is like a World's Fair in a place that's impossible to get to, freezing, where you, you don't have adequate food or shelter. Why anyone goes there, I don't know. Well, does anything of consequence result, though, from this confab with all these beautiful people? Uh, well, yeah, consequence, no. What you get, what it is now, really, is the opportunity for all kinds of semi-prominent business and, and government people to to rub shoulders and, you know, touch the hem of the heavy winter overcoat of a great figure like the president of the U.S. or the president of, or, you know, president of Russia or something. Uh, and, and that's what it is. That's what they're selling. And the networking I guess that's of some use. It was never of any use to me, but I guess it's of some <laughs> use to someone. And but then you're essentially selling the ability of well-to-do people to to sort of be at close quarters with the most famous and powerful people in the world. But the idea that it's a conference based on the whole the whole idea of, of improving international relations and doubly the idea that it's a conference with a non-profit objective are, are just two colossal whoppers I, I know i know the guy who founded it he, he's a very ingenious swiss gentleman who swears with the passion of a uh, of a of a religious fanatic that he is not trying to make money but of course all he does is make money and i congratulate him for that and he won't accept my congratulations he, he claims he's promoting world peace right. well, that doesn't do anything for world peace right. uh and he doesn't even smile about it there you go Conrad. it's nice to hear i mean i uh, got you worked into a lather now uh, you can relax and enjoy the rest of your weekend we'll talk next friday okay thanks Jeff. you got a conrad black author commentator and historian oakley show continues at global news radio 
Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. 